Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Jack Reynolds, uh, I was a game designer on The Last of Us 2, and uh, now I guess uh, I can't really talk about what I'm doing next, but... Um, you know, there's some a couple of exciting prospects in the mix. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Oh, as you're and then not you get working, started? Uh, Sorry? As you're not working in Valve, it might even be The Last of Us 3 then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't really, at uh, Valve, I, they don't think they know the number three very well. <laughs> um, Aaron, do you know the answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how did you get started in the game industry? Uh, so, I don't know. I was uh, I was writing a lot. I was in college. Uh, I was writing like, a lot of short fi- like stories and um, screenplays and stuff like that. And I was, it was, they were bad, and I felt bad. Um, and then my, I, I was kind of like, I got broken up with my girlfriend. In like 2017 and i was like you know i had put down games for a while i was a huge i was played games all the time growing up it was like my entire life and then and sort of like in college i kind of fell out with it a little bit and then i like you know i picked it back up because i was kind of like sad and depressed and it seemed like it would be like a really good you know like avenue to just sort of like relax and blow off some steam and uh i played like a lot of the games that people were telling me were great like a lot of like indie titles Mm -hmm. and i played the first last of us actually and i was like these games are great and i feel like i have such a deeper understanding for this than i would like with tv writing or anything like that and i figured i kind of wanted to give it a shot and see how far i could go also like i think games in general are, are a relatively untapped art form right like the idea of what separates a movie from a game is like the idea of interactivity. And as far as that goes, there's still so many things that can be explored even in that realm. I mean, I only think that like in terms of like the experience of something, we've only really gotten like the experience of like maybe like war, but only in like a fun way, even, you know, it's like, there's not even like a really, uh, horrify- there's not that many horrifying war games maybe horror as well, I, I don't know but I think it, just the idea of how untapped it was as a field, it's, it was really exciting as a prospect and so that's kind of how I got started uh, that's when I wanted to be a game designer um, I guess after that I, my first gig was uh, working as a, a software engineering intern at Jackbox Games, I don't know if you ever played like you don't know Jack or Quiplash. Like there's like these little like phone mm-hmm. games that connect to a TV and you can like sort of like uh, you, you everyone will get like different prompts for questions and, and people will submit that. And, oh, and they're I've really seen fun. those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really fun. Uh, yeah, I love those. And uh, then after that, I had done a lot of like indie stuff by myself, made some okay. friends, did a lot of game jams, made some preps and stuff. And then, I saw the uh, job as a game designer at Naughty Dog, um, and I applied, and it was, you know, I, I got to work on the game, which was, was really cool. Um, yeah. That's, that's amazing. 
to be like, hey, you know, I just want to work on games and boom, Naughty Dog. Yeah. We'll go into that. It's yeah. A little, it's a little surreal for sure. Yeah. So you had the hard time, like, what were you doing to like get into games? Were you like looking at courses? Were you like, you know what, let me just go yeah, into like yeah, games yeah. and school? So, so I was at a liberal arts college in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, which it, it had no game design whatsoever. We had like one game course where we had like a basic sort of Unity thing, but it was very hands off and kind of uh, a lot of people made really bad games because a lot of people didn't really know what they were doing, myself included. Um, so uh, I guess uh, one thing I, I got to do is I, I got to take, I, I lived in, my parents are from New York, so I got to uh, take some, I took a summer class at NYU and it was under this indie developer who, like a lot of indie developers have, have become professors in a lot of these schools, just like sort of like, you know, almost as if you're like a, like a writer who becomes a professor so you can like pay bills while you like work on your own game or book no, or whatever. Yeah. That's um, so I took some classes with him and he definitely like made my design brain bigger as well as like you know teach you the basics of you know basic game architecture like basic basic stuff so like mm-hmm. ray casting and um you know like input processing um sort of like your basic scripted events stuff like that um you, you know basic physics uh sort of scripting and stuff like that after that, it was pretty much just like trying to create. I had all of these game ideas uh, that I would come up with, and and then a lot of it came down to like playing a lot of indie games and like thinking about stuff and and kind of mm-hmm. being like, oh, that might be an interesting idea for a game. Writing it down and then trying to prototype it in any way I could. Um, and I think the way I uh, kind of learned a lot of these concepts of, of scripting were mm-hmm. because I didn't really know how to articulate uh, an idea programmatically. So when I, w- mm-hmm. I, had, I would have this design idea and I'd be like, okay, you know, how do we, how, like, how do I make this in a way that I can add stuff to it later? Or if I can want to make the scope bigger, I can without like everything coming crashing to a halt. Cause that was definitely a problem that I had early on was, um, you know, I can add all, I have this like idea and I can pretty much like brute force program the whole thing without any real good architecture. But then if it came to like, okay, well, I want to expand on this little idea now, it was like impossible. So um, I think that was ty- the, the kind of things that I was sort of interfacing with. And that, that gives you like a pretty decent um, base level in order to like, you know, start, um, putting yourself out there and, and, and trying to get game dev jobs. I mean, I, before I got, did Naughty Dog and stuff like that, I was doing a lot of like freelance gigs um, mm-hmm. where it'd be like, you know, someone wants a little mobile game for their thing. It was like advertising almost. And I was really bad. Like I was a really bad scripter at that point. Like I was like up until about four. And when's this? I was terrible. This would have been like, so I graduated in 2018. So it had been like winter 2018, early 2019. I was really bad. Uh, but people just kind of let just let you do this thing. And I had a basic idea of how this stuff worked. And, and the this, this stuff was small that I got to sort of, you know, um, 
build that. And when they would put me on other teams sometimes with other people, I would get to sort of absorb their code and see how they're doing it. And I guess the other place that was really uh, foundational in order to like learn better programming, game programming and stuff like that uh, would be game jams. I mean, going up to game jams, uh, I remember I went to NYU. Uh, I came into the city because I wanted to do this game jam. It was Global Game Jam 2019. And, and I came in and I just saw a, a group of people and I like found like the the most interesting group of people and I, they didn't really want me to like hang out with them, but I like kind of brute forced them, and it was like, really? "Hey, like, let's, let's make be friends. Come on!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kind of just uh, sort of uh, like, yeah, I just aggressively try to pursue their friendship and pursue their group to be part of Global Game Jam, and they were all indie developers themselves, uh, and they taught me like a huge, a huge amount over the next three days. We had like we would come in every day. And just like script for hours and hours and hours, and uh, you know make assets like on on top of it. And here I am, like you know, like learning like basic Maya, like for opening Maya for like the third time ever, trying to make like assets because like we have this deadline at, at Global Game Jam ends after seventy two hours or something. So we had this deadline that we had to like put in, and um, that type of stuff, like that high intensity sort of under the fire stuff, is great because. It forces you to. I was somebody that that very much um, like doesn't let, like likes to sit on things and go like, what if I could make it better this way, or what if I could make it better that way? In this case, it's just like you don't have. It. Am I allowed to swear on this? No, right? Um, uh, no, but okay. I mean, if you do, it's uh, fine. I did it out. <laughs> uh, you're, you're just you're just like able to. It's just like screw it. You don't have any time. You have to push it out the door. And okay. I, game jams are dope for that type of thing. Yeah. No, I bet. Dude. It's like burning the boats. Just like go make it. See what happens and improve on it later. Don't worry about it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it just and also having stuff done, right? Like having stuff mm -hmm. done is so important for you to look back at your own, like where you are now versus then. And yeah. And, it can be a real benchmark because at the time, a lot of the stuff I thought that I made was terrible, and in some, it definitely is was terrible. But like, you know, you can start to give yourself a pat on the back because some of those early ideas were actually good ones. Mm -hmm. And actually, we did a podcast episode a while ago, but we talked about like, don't make one huge long game like WoW. Make like the smaller games because then you learn more. Yeah. And this is a great example. Yeah, and you can't make WoW like no one person <laughs> make WoW. <laughs> Like exactly, don't make. Uh, I feel like we always come back to this. <laughs> I do it for you, Ricardo. <laughs> you know, I think the, I think there's something to be said about the whole "don't make wow" thing. I think that a lot of it is just that that's kind of the scope that people want to embrace. Is you know, I want to be able to do everything. I want to make a massive game that has you know all of the things in it. And I think that's definitely you know noble uh, as far as intentions and goals are. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Aim for the moon, but you know, after you've learned a little bit, realize that it's a lot of work to get there. For sure, I, I think especially one thing I tried to do early on was make games that weren't just uh, like genres of other things. Like I, I remember I, I'm right now uh, looking at a place like I, I had to learn a lot of like FPS design and game programming sort of paradigms. Um, 
And a lot of people that were on like Unity Answers and stuff, they're like, I am trying to make Call of Duty. And like, how do I make kill streaks? And how do I make like radar and stuff yeah. like that? Everybody and, has that thing that they find interesting and they want to know how to make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they kind of just want to like make something that's, or try their best shot at making like a triple A, like huge budget game. And, and yeah, that's like, like impossible. Door, yeah. yeah, it's like impossible. <laughs> like you're one person and you're still learning. Like mm -hmm. I would, if I were making something and I was starting out, I would be trying to um, think of an idea that sounds interesting that's scoped really, really small. That's not wow. That's like, what if it was like, wow, but it was only the, that you, but you could only open, have the map tool and it's only like a top, I guess that's not wow. That's a completely different <laughs> game. Uh, but no, like, it, like it's an idea of like trying to take one tiny part of, of wow that stands out to you as interesting and, and sort of trying to expand on that rather than trying to make wow mm -hmm. or maybe take like a favorite game like maybe last of us and just make the le sequence a little bit of it maybe to be yeah, or, yeah just that small portion but, yeah just yeah instead of trying to think of this like massive you know try to create all the systems and recreate them just create one system that is good enough that you can sort of like build a basic idea around mm -hmm. uh, and prototype and, and get into the hands of other people. I mean, that's really what's important. You want to, the earlier that you can show people your work, the better. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Yeah, and some of the I, best indie games are like a single concept just done really well. Great and fast and stuff. Yeah, I played uh, this game, Tacoma. Uh, which is literally just like this sort of like ghost character in Bioshock, which, but just like expanded as a whole game mechanic, you know? And uh, I, I honestly think if you're starting out, like make a walking simulator. I love walking simulators. And I think they are like really great because you could just mm -hmm. like, you could get like the Unity standard assets, slap a first person character controller on and just like get some basic scripting behaviors in and they're pretty easy to set up. I said that might be a hot take. I, I love walking simulators. That's just me. yeah. No, I do too. I've uh, that's play, really um... interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, even even just as something as simple as walking around is fundamental to how yeah. a game yeah. is is perceived by people that are playing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The small details matter. Yeah, it was like a way yeah. for me to learn level design concepts. Right, just like having an interesting layout that you can walk around in. Like uh, Death Stranding, everybody was like, oh, it's a walking simulator. But there's something about that game that just captures you, and you're like, I want to explore. I want to walk around. I you love know, my Death Stranding. Mm -hmm. Same. A lot of people I talk to are like, hate it. Horrible, horror story. I'm like, you didn't really experience what I experienced. I, I don't know I what happened. I think you're both right and wrong to love or hate Death Stranding. Yeah. I think there's a wrong, you, if you feel no way about it, that's the wrong answer. There you, you go, yeah. You either have to love it or hate it, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Death Stranding is really cool. Now let's go back to back to when you were in college. So, did you learn programming first and then move into game design? Yeah, I had a programming degree because my uh, my mom made me. My mom was like, "You can either take econ, math, or computer science," and because she was worried about me getting a job afterwards, which is like, God bless her. Uh, but you know, I picked up programming, didn't really like it. And then when it was only when I started, you know, thinking about it in terms of games that I really started to enjoy it. Um, and I think that's just, I guess, 
for anyone that's trying to learn programming and they they or like people are like oh i need to learn how to code i need to learn this but honestly i think the only you should think of coding as like a paintbrush or some sort of tool it's not like a be all end all it's yeah. like it's got to be a thing that you utilize to get what you want out of something so like for me i wanted to make games so coding was like a tool in order for me to do that um you know some people want to create like artistic fractal like 3d math stuff and i have a friend who does that i had a friend who used his programming to solve his math homework in college and like that's those these are all great ways to sort of like utilize programming right as opposed to just like the idea of learning how to code just to learn how to code you're not gonna, yeah. At least yeah, it kind of reminds me of like learning like Spanish, just to learn Spanish. Yeah, exactly. So then you start learning everything, and then you uh, don't learn what you actually need. I mean, it's a, a profile thing, I guess. Like some mm -hmm. people like codes overall, like myself. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. That that's just that's just my experience, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I guess I'm just talking about more about the people that you know are on the outside of code and that they have like a philosophy degree, and they're like, well, I need to learn how to code now because I want to get a job or whatever. I got you, yeah. Um, well, there might be some very thoughtful programmers. Yeah, for sure, that's yeah. That's the answer to life. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into game programming. But I'm glad I did. It's, uh, I would, I love, I love design coding. It's like my favorite thing. And what advice would you give aspiring programmers? Uh, yeah, I would say, I, I, I guess that's what I would say is that, you know, find the, what you wanted to use coding for and do that because that's the way you're going to get better. Like for me, I was able to, some people like, you know, coding puzzles and, and the idea of beating those is like really exciting. And for me, it was just like, I wanted to make these games and I didn't know how to do it. So getting better at programming and learning like these programming fundamentals. <laughs> was like necessary in order to move forward. And uh, that's what was a huge motivator for me, like getting better at game programming and stuff like that. And that's how also, you know, you pick up those paradigms, like state-based scripting and, and um, you know, decision trees and stuff like that. Those are all things that I've learned or I came across because I was like, I want to make this thing, but I don't really know how. Mm -hmm. uh, you can definitely yeah. tell how much of a nerd somebody is based on the kinds of things that they find interesting in programming. Take for me, sure. for example. I enjoy writing containers. Love. <laughs> yep. Tells me all the time. That's God's work right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really enjoy writing containers. I don't know why. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I love writing data structures and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Just, like... I love just like having really clean. I, I made like last week. I made a curve tool, and I felt like a big brain genius. <laughs> it's, it was just like the best feeling ever because you know now I have this thing that I can use forever on everything. Mm -hmm. I think that's like also maybe one thing that I would say if you're like good at game programming. One thing that I wish I had started doing earlier was like starting to build tools for myself. Um, Lucas Pope, who made Oberdin and Papers, Please, at Naughty Dog. He, he worked at Naughty Dog before he became an indie developer. And he was a tools programmer there. And he made, like, all of the sort of tools that we still use at Naughty Dog. Um, 
but uh, he, like, uh, my understanding of, of him, and I, I don't really know him, I don't know him personally at all, but uh, my understanding is that he has, one of the things that he's done to save a lot of time with his sort of personal games that he's released as an indie developer is a lot of, like, great tools that he's used for himself, and, and that uh, saves a lot of time. Uh, what was his name again? Uh, Lucas Boat. No, I think that's that's a smart thing to do because then it just saves you tons of time. You can also use that for like asset stores and like be like, hey, look, yeah, yeah. You, if it's good stuff. enough, you can upload it mm-hmm. and make a profit off of it. For yeah, sure. you know. I find that one of the hardest things that when you're getting started is to make some money out of it. Cause you have no experience, so you can't get like paid positions. So you're yeah, either yeah. someone's slave or <laughs> making assets. So I mean, there was a bit of that poison. There was definitely a bit of that too when I was starting. You know, I mean, you get these freelance contracts of people that were that were paying me like you know like twelve bucks an hour and wanted something done in a weekend. And um, those contracts exist and they suck. But at the same time, they also I, I feel like the expectations aren't as high. So it's like okay for you to be like an intermediate game dev and take these sort of contracts on like you don't have to be um you don't have to be like a ridiculous game programmer you don't have to be like a triple a level game programmer to start picking up these early contracts um yeah no i think that's that's it's a good thing to become aware of because i don't think everybody's like oh i gotta make my game and then that's it it's like no you can even for me it's like you can start doing these freelancing things yeah push yourself sure. and then yeah, yeah. Um, Where do you go to do this freelancing? Is it just like Fiverr? Or- uh, I had some... I can't remember what the site was, actually. Um, Upwork was a good place where I got a lot of stuff um, early on. Um, when I was... Go- I met this guy, who one of the people that I worked on with um, the Global Game Jam thing that I, that I met, those guys at NYU. One of them, uh, he was working... Uh, he was he was working as a as a freelancer and he was kind of the guy that set me up and you know I kept thinking at the time you know I was like uh, I was I'm too bad to do this I'm too bad to take on these freelancing contracts but uh, this guy who you know he definitely was better than me at programming but he wasn't like miles and miles better where I couldn't understand his code he had been taking like all of these freelancing gigs and every month he'd be getting another gig and I'd be like damn like I want to I want to start doing that as well and start you know making some degree of profit that I can sustain myself. And it was still like about the same amount of money as I would make as like a bartender, but I was able to like, you know, buy myself foods once in a while and, and, you know, go out for drinks with my friends every, every once. I mean, I was living with my parents, so I didn't have to pay rent. <laughs> fortunately. But, um, you know, it was, it was some degree of profit, which was great. What were the kinds of things that, that people were asking you to do for these, you know, over a weekend type things? Yeah, so it would be like anything like, you know, using uh, Unity's like AR stuff so that like people could get like renderings of their of their artwork. That would be like some sort of like textured FBX model, but they wanted to see it inside of like a space. And like, I don't know if you've ever done AR. Yep, actually have built a scene for HoloLens. Yeah, Yeah. it's like it's it's like pretty straightforward stuff, especially if you're not like having the the things doing anything. If they're just being like rendered in a space, like pretty straightforward to to do. Single glass. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, um, <coughs> to be just like stuff like a really, really uh, basic 2D mobile game that's like some sort of, like I, I remember one time I made tic-tac-toe, like literally. Like I literally <laughs> made tic-tac-toe and just set up the, and they just gave me a bunch of assets and then I made it for them. Um, and that's I just really set it up. Yeah. Um, and you can like find all that stuff online, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I did just like straight up rip the algorithms off and just like <laughs> used mm -hmm. it, used it because I was like I was like it's Sunday night I have to turn this in in the morning like let's go yeah why not uh, <laughs> but yeah I mean like these these right like these types of things uh, are are yeah they're 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 kind of like a, will burn you at both ends but they're also a great way to get early work and. Um, you know, it, it did help me during my Naughty Dog interview, like these types of things where I could say like, oh yeah, I've done this thing and this thing. And one thing that I learned on this one job was beneficial during my technical interview because I, it was sort of just like an extrapolation of that question I had already solved. And, and, you know, those things kind of do, um, yeah, they, they do add up and, and it does, it does get you you do get a lot of work fast and you mm. do get better quickly because like I, like we kind of were talking about, right. When someone else is paying you to do it or, or kind of like trying to get you to do it, you do push, you, you make solutions to problems and you make them quickly. And that's really good for someone like me who will literally just like redo something four different ways just to like make it a little bit better and, and get anxious about the idea of ever submitting it and just like letting it hang in your desktop forever. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely have done that. Um, so, yeah. And then did you ever have a bad experience where they were like, this was not what we wanted? Um, I think right before I had gotten a lot of freelance work, I had taken uh, an unpaid internship, which was cool, but it was also like... I, 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 hate, I hate having unpaid internships and I, I don't, I'm not telling pe people that they shouldn't, but it definitely, um, it stings a lot because it was kind of a mess and I was pretty much doing what I would, I, I was pretty much doing what I would have been doing for myself, but for someone else. Does that make sense? Mm, and not like I paid you. for it. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but I got to throw it on my resume. Like that's the yeah. only thing that I got to really get out of it, but that was the worst experience. But like, you know, it also did kick off my freelance work. So yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lot of negative things to say about mm -hmm. it. Just besides the fact that it stinks to not get compensated for like, I guess the effort when you're not doing it for yourself. How long was the internship? It was like a month and a half. Two not months. that bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I was able to pick up some stuff pretty quickly after that. And I, I it, it was a combination of like uh, connections. So like, you know, going to these game jams, meeting people, you know, one guy who I talked about before who was doing freelance work when they needed someone else, he was like, oh, I know a guy. And, and then they hit me up, right? Um, so, you know, talking to people is really important. Getting your name out there, going to your local game dev meetups. Um, and also... Uh, and I went to a bunch of those and some of them were like completely unfruitful. And there were people that like, you know, had never even like heard of unity or any game engine that were showing up to these. But then there was also, you know, people that were like, Oh, I'm looking for X, Y person. Um, mm -hmm. so there's that. And then there's sort of, 
you know, at, and working. And that's all you can do. Those are really the only two factors in order to like kind of get a job is just to like try to meet with as many people as you can that are interested in the field that you're in and then just work on stuff. And, you know, eventually I, I think it's like some, a spark happens and you get, mm -hmm. you get those interviews. Is that how you got the Naughty Dog one? Or did you just apply to that one? Um, so Naughty Dog, I had, <laughs> I was scouring through my alumni network and one of the writers of Uncharted 4 and On the Last of Us went to my school, but he went to my school in like the 90s, like it was a while ago. But I cold messaged him on LinkedIn being like, hi, hello, sir. Like I am... <laughs> Uh, oh my god, don't make me feel old. I graduated in 93. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, born you know, in 93. <laughs> oh, uh, I was like... Oh, Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was... I was. Uh, I hit him up and I was like, hello, sir. I'm an aspiring game designer. Like, uh, you know, could I ask you some questions? And I, I guess it went well enough because he told me that, you know, there was a, a scripter position open, which I had known about, but I was so, I was too afraid to apply. Like I was so convinced of how bad I was that I was too afraid to even apply. But when this, you know, when uh, Josh, who uh, was one of the, Josh, the, the writer that I had reached out to, um, he was like, you know, give it a shot. I was thinking okay well you know what like if that's it was it was like a it wasn't it was a sign of confidence he didn't really know me but like that was all i needed i needed just that little push to apply um and i you know i mentioned that i had spoken to him in my cover letter when i sent it in and i definitely think that had to have something to do with why i got the interview in the first place um and then that's kind of yeah that's pretty much how it happened um that's how i got that's how i think i got the first interview Wow. See, there you go. Build a network. Reach out to people. Don't be afraid. That's another one thing. Like you were mentioning being afraid. It's like, just just try it. You don't know what's going to happen. They All they can say is no. Yeah. Every every exactly. single round of the interviews that I had for Naughty Dog, and even still to this day now, um, I was convinced that it was my last one and that I bombed it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, there's no way. I remember calling. Uh, I had the uh, technical interview at Naughty Dog, and I called my girlfriend after, and I was like, I got pretty far, but there's no way I got past that one. Like, like I, I learned a lot from it. Like that was great, but I, I'm, I'm, I bombed it. Uh, and then they called me back, and I was, I just remember being like, oh my god, what do I do now? <laughs> I was so shocked. Um, but yeah. And don't be afraid to apply to stuff. Uh, and you're you're probably better than you think you are. Yeah, well, here's something that's important to remember is that somebody who's an expert at this kind of stuff that's in a management position is going to be able to assess your skill at something way better than you can. Yeah. So definitely apply because they'll know whether they can use you or not to do what they want you to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... <clears throat> and, and even if they don't even if they think even if you're better or worse than they say you are in the case that you do get like hired for these positions or you don't i mean they're really learning experience both ways like yeah. like i said even thinking that i bombed the interview <laughs> i learned so much of that was my first like actual technical interview like strictly uh in the first place and i had learned so much stuff just from the kinds of questions they, they were asking that 
I was like, you know, writing them down and going like, okay, like these are the stuff that, that I should go back and look at and try to review and try to learn and like go and watch these GDC talks. Um, I remember, uh, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, I remember at, when they asked me a certain question at Naughty Dog that had, had corresponded to one of their own games. I remember just like immediately after like going on GDC and like trying to like learn about what, you know, how that mechanic actually did work. And mm. that type of stuff is, was a great learning experience. And I, I felt way more confident even thinking that I had bombed, just knowing that like, okay, the puzzle pieces are kind of coming together a little bit more. You know, like these are the things that I have to learn in order to be able to get a job at these AAA roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think just apply and go to these meetings and get those interviews and, you know, even whether you uh, succeed or like don't get the job it's, they're both great experiences <laughs> learning crap yeah. ton yeah you win or you learn yeah for sure yeah I mean, the same thing is actually even true with the job <laughs> yeah I mean, what, what did they call it the peter principle i think so yeah you, you I, rise to the level of your failure about the peter principle <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was it like working is it like really different from working on your own games what was the process yeah totally dog? um yeah. Naughty Dog is is great. I mean, there's there are a group of people that have such a high degree of um, attention to detail and polish in the way that I had never even really conceived of, right? Um, and that's why their games are so good. Is that they like if it works in the best case scenario, that is like like. 10% of the work. You have to make sure that it works in like the worst possible case of scenario when you try to do the most like if you try to break the game it has it you have to make sure that it the game will still not break and and push back and and be like a whole experience. Um and that sort of degree of like perfectionism is something that I really admired and I, and I still kind of carry with me uh and 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 sort of uh open my mind to I think the other side of it is that you also, uh, one of the game directors kind of broke, told me this, is that like, you get like assets of the gods. I mean, like the the game, the stuff that you get, the character models, and for someone that's like an indie developer like me that was making like these crappy little block map things <laughs> in my basement at my mom's house, and then all of a sudden like, you're working with like a fully character rigged model and like, <laughs> dynamic lighting and like these beautiful particle effects and and crazy like level layouts that these people that have been doing it for 15 years that have been the top of their field working on it's like it's just you it's like your mind is going like for everything i bet you're like like, what (laughs) and i i just remember just being like oh my god i remember thinking i'm gonna get fired like every single day for like the first three months i'm like they're gonna see through it and i'm gonna be fired and uh it didn't happen i didn't get fired uh fortunately but i i felt like that for about the first three months that i was working at microsoft it was a six month interview process to get hired there i went through like five different technical interviews and finally got hired there and and i felt exactly like that for the first at least three months that i was there i was just like Uh, what what did i get myself into 
like I'm screwed. <laughs> right. Like I don't know any of this stuff. Like my first engagement with the we, we they do what are called shadow engagements where you just go, you know, with with somebody else who does your job, you know, to a customer to to solve a problem or whatever. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and uh, and I'm sitting there watching the guy do, you know, what he's doing. He's sitting there looking at SQL database backends, optimizing queries, looking at indexes and execution plans, and I'm just like, Mike, am I expected to be able to do that? <laughs> he's like, yeah, this is your job. And I'm like, I have never done anything even, I don't even know what you're doing right now. <laughs> you're doing something in SQL, you know? I remember uh, we they wanted us to like basically have me set up a cutscene to like, because it's very like there's no real documentation at Naughty Dog, and they use proprietary like proprietary software for the most part. So a lot of the times you have to like ask people, uh, <laughs> you know, these things. And who's um, the SME for that? And you know, it's just I remember I had to like set up this like you know in-game cutscene, and it was just like a way to like you know get prepared for how the job will essentially work. And I remember just I couldn't do it, and I was like, oh my god, I'm totally gonna get fired. Like I'm done. Uh, but they know that it's you look at it ten months later, and something that had seemed so daunting to you at the start is now like I you eat you eat it for breakfast, and it, it's a great mm -hmm. feeling. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess uh, keep at it, I suppose. And and, yeah. and if you're if you're feeling really uncomfortable and you feel out of your depth, then that's like good. I think <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good place to be. Um, yeah, it means you're learning. Yeah, because it, it's like, for me, like, uh, you know, up until that point, it was, I think I learned, knew the bare minimum in order to get a job at Naughty Dog. And when I did, I think it was just like a very much a baptism by fire. And I had to adapt really quickly. And, and it was really great because I did learn so much. I learned more than I possibly thought that I could in like the span of like 10 months, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, when you when you get out of school, uh, you're used to like this rhythm of learning and a pretty yeah, slow like, speed, and then you yeah. get to a real job and like people it's are just very good at what they do. It's cranked at like a hundred miles per hour. Yeah, as opposed to like you learn maybe one new thing a week. You're like <laughs> learning stuff every day, uh, three times a day. I yeah, and and but that's that's why we do game dev, right? Like we want to be constantly fascinated by the prospect of new and exciting experiences. And some of that goes with uh, new problems in order to solve with our sort of tools that we have. Mm -hmm. Now, what advice would you give for someone who's in that three-month period? Would you tell them to like learn more courses, to ask more questions? Like the three-month period? Uh, oh, like early yeah, on in there. Gonna make if they have game. their first job? Yeah, I, yeah. I think asking questions is essential uh if you don't know something i think i read uh and looking up resources so one thing that i was doing as i was trying to break into the game industry is i was looking up a lot of these resources of devs who have already broken into the game industry and, and reaching out one person that was really essential was katie Chironis, who i think she has she's like a designer a narrative designer for riot um, and she had all of these like sort of blog posts about like breaking into the game industry. And she had one that was that I looked at a lot, actually, that says like after you've landed your first gig, like this is sort of like how sort of conduct yourself in the workplace, but also 
like how to sort of make sure you're doing the best job you can. And one of the things that I saw was that it's like, if you don't really understand how to do something within 15 minutes, go and ask for help. And that process, that idea of that was really like sort of foreign to me. It's like 15 minutes. Like if I can't figure that out in 15 mm-hmm. minutes, I like should be able to sit with the problem for longer than that. But, um, no, I remember I would get up out of my chair every day and I would go talk to the other designers and I was definitely pretty annoying at first, but I also, it was really helpful because the more I bothered people early, um, and, and the more I bothered people early, the more I learned and the less likely that I would sort of bother them later. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can sort of mitigate the annoyance of that a bit by being really gracious and thankful and, you know, saying like, and being like a kind and easy to work with person. Um, and, you know, most of the time they know you're new. Like, that, that's another thing is that everyone knows you're new. Like, they know that you're going to take some time to get brought up to speed, uh, especially when you're not using, like, standard tools. So don't be afraid to, like, get up out of your chair. And, and it, it, that's the best thing you can do is to be out of your chair and asking questions. If you're just staring at your screen, like, sort of, uh, like, slack-jawed and, and fearful. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. You're like, you okay over there? Yeah, <laughs> like, you're helping nobody. I, I can do this. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Now, after doing that interview, is there anything you could recommend for people to, like, prepare themselves for a type of interview, like, for game designer? Like, what type of course, what resource to look at, what videos to watch? So there's a couple of things that I love. Um, Glassdoor will post interviews of people that have taken the interview, and they'll sometimes have the responses for all the interview questions that were asked. And I will not say where, but in one of the places that I interviewed, all of the questions that were posted were the ones that were all actually asked. It was like I had seen the test ahead of time. Um, And that was great because it gave me, I got to prep those answers and also kind of get a gauge an idea of what I might be asked uh, Mm -hmm. as I'm applying for stuff. Um, I think doing technical, I, I, so I can only speak as like a script designer. One thing that's really important as a script designer is to know your like basic 3D math. So like dot product, cross product, um, okay. you know, vector addition, subtraction, scalar multiplication. Um, do you need to know how to do it or you just need to know how to use it? How to use it. So like yeah. they, no one's going to ask you, or at least in my experience, no one has really asked me, you know, what? how, did, how do you use the dot product for things? It's, it was more like, um you know you have a character who um like you want to apply more damage to a character if you're shooting at them from in front of them than if you're shooting at them from behind how would you like sort of solve that problem calculate the radians between 0.5 and 1.5 yeah 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 so like that's (laughs) right on the z plane yeah (laughs) just like you know you 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 understand how those things are used and calculate the product of the x yeah right Um, interesting one thing i (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i mean so for me like just looking up problems all the time uh so I'm, I'm currently in the process of interviewing at various places right now and um 
one thing I've been doing was just sort of taking those individual game mechanics and, and trying to script them in a really simple version. Like, no asset, unpolished, looks like poop, but, you know, the 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 programmatic way that, that it could be structured. Um, <laughs> I do the same thing, but I just do them with, like, straight-up console programs just yeah, to sure. prove the logic, basically. Exactly. And then yeah. that way, when you are asked about it, whether it's you have to actually script it or you or it's sort of verbal because a lot of my interviews have been verbal where you're just kind of going through like a, a almost like a pseudocode that you can kind of like list out um having that, that sort of experience where you've already done the thing is like a great way to sort of um answer the question like you know yeah you know the question down by because you've already literally implemented it so it must feel really good just go in like oh i've done this hey, this yeah. is how you do it yeah. well when the, in the interview in question i remember i got through the first five questions in like two minutes because i had already done all of them before and i literally had prepared them all um so yeah that yeah i, I would stick to Glassdoor. i would and i would say just try to find technical problems to to things because as a designer again as a script designer you're going to be asked design questions like systems design how would you make a design better stuff like what happens if you take scissors out of rock paper scissors like what kind, like so general game design mm -hmm. questions but there will also be like these sort of 3d math questions sort of basic uh data structure creation basic um sort of optimization big o runtimes so like more general mm -hmm. programming principles um, I've only had those sort of um, like sorting algorithm problems and, and uh, big O runtime questions once, but it has it has definitely been 3D math. Like if like knowing the dot product has been something that has come up. Some sort of dot product dot product related problem has been a thing on every single interview I've had, technically. Um, so that highly recommend. Just you know, knowing your three D. So method. just make sure you know what the dot product does. Yeah, yeah. yeah just the dot <laughs> figure out the dot. Product. We don't care about anything else as long as you know how that works. Then you're and then the money starts flowing, <laughs> cash out. Yeah, uh, one thing I, me I, outside. <laughs> one thing I found pretty nice when I was preparing for my interviews to move to Europe was um, I watched a ton of videos about like interviewing in general, and a lot of the time they go into like not only what they want to hear but why they ask certain questions yeah i also find that pretty good because then you know where to steer the conversation to yeah mm -hmm. of course um it's weird because it's like you do get a lot of partial credit for just understanding the things even if your calculations are wrong uh i had a technical interview really recently where my brain was free frozen because it was my first time whiteboarding in front of people and mm -hmm. I just, I remember I was frozen and, and they were like, well, like, wh what do you think the problem is? And I was like listing all of the, uh, I was listing all the logic in my head and they were like, that's right. And then I looked back at the thing on my whiteboard and I just had something wrong fundamentally and I erased it. And I was like, oh, well, that's what it is. Cause I worked through it in my head, realizing that my logic out loud was different than what was on the board. And I ended up you know, getting to the next round of that interview, even though I, again, thought I had tanked it because I was my, like, it wasn't clean, right? Like I was, mm -hmm. I was 
so anxious that I was messing up a lot of these simple steps in my head. Um, but I, when I was explaining the logic and explaining why I was doing X, Y, and Z thing, um, my logic was sound and that was what they were looking for. You know, they want, yeah. Yeah, they any, want to know how you arrive at solutions, not exactly the solution. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can just like, you know, sort of uh, study and memorize answers to questions but like yeah. you have to have the sort of theoretical knowledge of these things that's the nature of programming is that it's a creative process where you're solving you know for a bunch of math problems essentially yeah, for sure. <laughs> in yeah. a lot of ways that's really all you're doing yeah totally so ultimately that's all the computer really does it just you know adds numbers really fast really 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 fast <laughs> Now back to the math, what would you recommend like they should use to study? Should it be like solving a bunch of problems, be watching a bunch of videos? Because that you know, can get tricky. Uh, yeah, so one thing that I had was this book right here, 3D Math Primer for Graphics and Game Development. I bought this. I looked online like what was the best game dev uh, game math book, and this was, this was one that was literally just uh, math for games. Um, there's a YouTube series that's called Math for Game Development. Uh, where some guy does like Khan Academy style, like whiteboarding um, on a computer, which is great. I, yeah, um, I only, and again, learning these things in, in a sort of uh, theoretical sense is fine. Like understanding like, like, oh, this is what a vector does. And this is what happens when you add two vectors together. Um, but when you start, it's not going to make sense until you start implementing it and start thinking about it geometrically. Um, and so I guess when you're trying to wrap your head around these math stuff, don't be afraid, at least for me, uh, don't be afraid to just bust open a game engine and start thinking about ways that you can apply this you know, formula to some sort of a game dev problem that you could have. Okay. So basically just make a game and then figure out what yeah, you need stuff. to use for it. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it just make stuff. a game, yeah. Like yeah, just make WoW. Yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I gotta say, Khan Academy has a pretty good linear algebra course as well. I do, yeah. Uh, Khan Academy has everything. Like, you can't go literally just it Google doesn't. search whatever you're. It doesn't. Sadly, okay. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm at but the exact point where it doesn't right now. There, it's a pretty good start to just literally type in the problem that you're having and then end it with Khan Academy into Google. <laughs> And you'll likely find yes. a video um, on that. Or at least I did for a lot of the stuff that I was having early on. I'm pretty sure the the guy who does the math for games online is like Carlos or something. Right, Carlos? Let me see. Oh, no, it's Jorge Rodriguez. Jorge Rodriguez, yep. That's yeah. Him. That's really good. I've watched some of those. And they yeah. like, it was like tons yeah, that's, that's a great place to go. So you can check that out. Now, you did creative writing, right? Did that help a lot with doing game design? Um, yeah, I mean, when I was... I came up with a lot of cool game ideas because I was, like, a writer. And I suppose... Um, I think one thing that's really important for game design is the idea of the experience. Or, like, one thing that, like, the game dev sort of academics like to throw around is like ludology and like or you know like ludonarrative things like that 
Um, and Ludo kind of just stands for like feel and touch and, and interactivity. Um, and I think for me, game design was sort of the idea of writing something, but through the experience of interactivity, through like the feel of it, right? Um, as opposed to like this sort of nebulous idea of like, what is fun, quote unquote. <laughs> it was more like, you know, what can this gameplay bring the experience of? Whether it's um, the idea of being distracted or the idea of being like these sort of like human emotions of like loneliness or like fear i mean fear is like a great one that we that's horror games right or you know like trying to sort of um take take human experiences which is what a lot of writing is and sort of put that into gameplay and i think that is sort of how they informed each other i guess if that if that makes any sense no it does because that's a I think I feel with a lot of games now, like Last of Us is a great game where you feel a lot of emotion. Mm. And then there are some games where it's just like, you know, you don't feel like either the developers have passion or they just wrote something to write something. Like, it's not like, what are we trying to feel out of this moment? Like, God yeah. of War does a great job of that. Witcher does a great yeah. job of that. But then there's some other games I'm just like, yeah, I didn't really feel it. Some of the things that I've been really <laughs> interested in is um, sort of like systemic gameplay that that has that gives you the sort of experience that feels like it was a scripted event like one game i was obsessed with last year was hitman 2 i mean like hitman 2 is just so hitman 2 is amazing i mean the idea of just like all these little systems of of like putting on disguises and like putting a bomb in like a cupboard and then like leaving the <laughs> building and like these sort of things it's like these things that feel like it was written by somebody, but it's just mm -hmm. you interacting with the systems of the game, um, which is just mm -hmm. like that, that experience is like super exciting. And so I guess that's what I'm thinking about a lot right now. Right. It's like mm -hmm. the idea of how do we bring narrative entirely through systemic gameplay? And I guess another game that does that amazingly mm -hmm. is breath of the wild, breath of the wild totally mm -hmm. has all these yes. great little <laughs> unique systems. And, um, you know, you like these little experiences, like when you light grass on fire, it causes an updraft that you can use to shoot your paraglider in there. And, um, wow. Yeah, those are just more, I think those are more, in the case of Breath of the Wild, it's more fun, mm -hmm. um, kinetic gameplay systems as opposed to like narrative systems, if, if I could make the division like with, with Hitman, but they're both. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a lot what I'm thinking about right now for sure. Emotional, it, it, like emotional experience through gameplay is sort of my core motto. I like that. It goes with the player experience that you were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. What do you want the player to experience? Now, um, what would you say is more important, hard work or talent? What sets you apart? What? That's a tough one. Uh. I don't think I, I mean, I definitely worked hard when I was at Naughty Dog and I think I worked hard before. I think I, I think what made me get where I wanted to be was just like eagerness and a fear and, and, and like a sort of not being afraid to just throw myself at, at groups of people that I wanted to be involved in. So I don't think I was particularly talented. I mean, I'm a good. I'm, I think I'm pretty good at design, but I, I don't think I was particularly talented. I know I wasn't good at programming, 
And I worked pretty hard, but a lot of the time I didn't even really know how to work properly. So I, I couldn't say that I worked efficiently or well, but I d was really eager and I got to talk to a lot of people that were a little more grounded in what was going on and, and had a good handle on it. And, and that allowed me to like sort of go back to the drawing board and say like, okay, well, what do I need to know now? Um, mm -hmm. So I think the eagerness is what made me uh enthusiasm enthusiasm yeah <laughs> except for a lot of uh yeah yeah lack I just, of skill <laughs> and that's that's the thing and i mean don't be afraid to be enthusiastic or, or wag your tail like you know like people love that i think that's why i got Ooh. I, tell I, me about what you know how to do <laughs> sweet <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that stuff was when I was talking to, I had my interview with the game directors of Naughty Dog. And I remember it was, they were, they were, it was a tough interview. And I just remember that I was just super, I, I remember I just had to kept, keep being enthusiastic because I was so really passionate about the game and I wanted to talk about why I loved games and why I loved the last of us and what were my favorite moments of the last of us. And, and I was, you know, I think, those types of emotions come through in the interview. I mean, everyone uh, wants to work with someone that believes in the product that they're making. No, I agree 100%. I mean, like, you can just do that, for example, with the, the games being made. It's like, are they passionate about it? Because if they are, you can feel that while you're playing. You're like, oh, attention to detail. Everything just feels like they cared. Even with food. Like, I love cooking food and stuff. It's like the same thing. If you don't make it with, like, care, it just doesn't come out the same. Not gonna come out as good. Yeah, that's why I'm bad yeah. at food. Oh man, come on! It's not that hard. I, I suck. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I make some mean scrambled eggs though, and that's really. All I'm, oh I'm yeah. Making like Chef Ramsay. I've been uh, been practicing. <laughs> not I mean, with scrambled eggs. I know how to yeah. not get shell in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get some basil in there, some garlic. Ooh, now Ooh. we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Come on, guys! You're making me hungry. <laughs> so, what was it like working on the game? How did you feel? Were you like, oh, man, I it made was, it. Yeah. Um. Or is it just the beginning of your story? I don't, I, I don't know. I was. I remember being anxious most of the time, honestly, because uh, it was just it was such a big deal for me working on it. And you know, like I said, some for a long time it felt like it was over my head. Um. I don't think I've made it in by any stretch of the word. I think it was a great experience and I've learned so much, but I also don't really know anything. <laughs> There's so much more that I, I want to know. And uh, you, you really get the sense that uh, I've, I think there are people that have worked for 15 years and still don't know everything, you know, like there's so much to know and this field is, is ever evolving and there are new ways to make games that we never even thought possible. I mean, um, one game that I've been really into is, is Warzone lately. And, and I, the idea of a battle royale, like I couldn't even imagine that in like the era of like a PS2, yeah, like no. in PS or like, or like even like, like Halo one, like blood gulch days. Like I never could conceive the idea of like 150 people in a huge world interconnected with like just people battling nonstop. It, it just, it, the idea of a game is ever evolving. Um, I completely forgot the question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is it? Oh no, it was the um. Oh, have I made it? Yeah. Yeah, have uh, you made it? 
No, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I think the I think there's never been a better time to be a game developer than right now. Um, and I'm really. It seems like we're on the precipice of a lot of new things being ha- happening. Um, and I think where we kind of had this sort of renaissance of if if this were like the movies in like the 1940s 1950s era i think that's this is the kind of era that we're approaching like people know what a game is people know how to make games there's sort of standards of like how games are made but like the the conventions are going to get blown open and the way that we expect things to get me i mean i look at a game like outer wilds and i was like this game broke all the rules and and it's great and i'm and it was made by like six like like 15 people mm-hmm. like i like and, undertale and then there's like oh. stuff that that comes out like undertale which is like a game where when there's as there's in triple a like a sort of nuclear arms race to have like the best graphics and like the best cleanest gameplay you have like undertale which was made by literally one dude that like uses like like earthbound looking like assets and and makes and is considered one of the biggest games of the year like it doesn't like there's the door is sort of wide open in, in some aspects right i think you're absolutely right about the next evolution for games i think we're we're just about at that point and i think a lot of that is also you know because of the foundational technology the hardware that we have is starting to get to that level of capability too yeah, I mean, we've had, like, the movie game for, like, 10 years now. Right. Like, sort of Uncharted 2, Last of Us, like, era of games. And I think those are going to definitely be around for a little while longer. But I also think... I think things are going to shift more towards the sort of Breath of the Wildy, Hitman 2 sort of, like, narrative through systemic game. Yeah, gameplay. absolutely. And probably no. those things will coexist, I think, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I think a big part of that... You know, from my perspective, is just that you know the studios have realized that it's that they're never going to be able to produce enough content for the players, no matter what they do. And so, there's value in procedurally generated content, essentially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially if you invest in the system that creates the content rather than just static content. If you're sorry, go ahead. Like YouTube, you just get something to work for you instead of having to create stuff. Yeah. I mean, also, like, yeah, if you're an indie person, procedurally generated content is great. I mean, another game that was my favorite, one of my favorite games of last year was Risk of Rain 2. And I put, like, 50 hours into that, um, which was literally made by two kids that had graduated college in, like, 2016 or something. (laughs) And it's, and they they got, they're being published by Gearbox. Like, it's amazing. Like it's and the game has like a huge amount of players. I like the the even the con. I it, like I say that like I think even the fabric of the conventions that we have are sort of in flux. Um, there's so much. There's so many new ways that we can make games that we haven't even really considered yet. Yeah, it's especially with the new VR AR stuff coming out. Like Minecraft Earth, you you could just completely make the whole world your game. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I one of the things that I love, uh, I, I put a lot of time into actually was VR chat. Like, I think VR chat is like one of the coolest, uh, most unique experiences ever. Uh, just in the way I, I would do this thing where I would pick these random 
worlds that like had like one or two people and just like explore it and try to see like other people and that kind of has a narrative in itself right but it doesn't it's not anything that's written it's just sort of through interacting with the systems Mm -hmm. of of the application yeah and one of will wright's master classes he talks about if you make the game itself like a tool or like a toolbox and they can make their own stories out of the tools you gave them then they have an endless uh, way of making their own stories and content that can post it out there and your game can basically be an endless stream of fun because there's no limited like it's whatever the player wants to create yeah why was do you think Minecraft right? is a gold mine yeah it was one of his magical yeah it was just because he made the sims he was like the game yeah well right yeah, yeah. yeah you make your own family make your own story you decide what's going to happen i'm just going to give you the tools to play your game yeah minecraft is probably the greatest game of all time yeah <laughs> It really and there's like really no point. Dollars. Now there's a story we fight the dragon, but like do whatever you want, and that just makes for endless fun. Yeah, it's not my it's not my favorite game, but it's definitely probably like the idea of it is so impressive, and, and yeah. it's it's ten years old and it doesn't ever seem to stop being interesting, which is great. Like what? How many games can can be said about that? Yeah. I spent way too long building the castle in that game. I'm proud of it, but it's think about it. Like too- 2007. We had like one of the biggest releases was like Crisis. What was Crisis' biggest selling point? Was pretty and had good physics, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you go like three, four years into the future, you have the game <laughs> of the years, Minecraft, like a blocky, <laughs> chunky thing, but it's yeah. infinite gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just nuts. <laughs> What's one of your favorite games and why? Oh, I wrote this down. I have a bunch. Um, I wanted to uh, make sure I got these down. Uh, Okay. In no particular order, I love What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, Divinity, Original Sin 2, Hitman 2, which I talked about, uh, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild, Halo 3, ODST, uh, The Beginner's Guide, Baldur's Gate 2, Oblivion, Earthbound, uh, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. The first Modern Warfare, and okay. yeah, Call of Duty Four, yeah, um, and also the original, day, the original Deus Ex is great, um, and then the the Beginner's Guide by Davey Reedon, that one's great too. Did you ever play Deus Detroit Ex. Become Human? Sorry, uh, did you ever play Detroit Become Human? Uh, I started it. I haven't gotten that far into it yet. Uh, I'm. I keep trying to. Con- I'm waiting for my girlfriend to come around and play it with me because I've been trying to find good games to play with her, and that seems like a good one. Um, but it's on my list for sure. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, you'll love it. What were you uh, saying, Aaron? Nothing. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I guess I could talk about any one of those. You want to just pick a random one? Yeah. Do uh, yeah, do do one that like nobody knows a lot about. Oh yeah, okay. My favorite game probably ever is What Remains of Edith Finch, which was made by like this indie company called Giant Sparrow, and they were owned by Sony, but now I think they're owned by Annapurna Interactive. Um, as a side note, anything that's made by Annapurna Interactive is like the best. I love all of their games. They're a great little indie publisher, and they have really cool games uh what remains of edith finch is sort of this like um 
it's like this sort of magical realism game where you play as this girl who's returning to her childhood house and she is sort of going into these bedrooms of all of her sort of now deceased family members and sort of reliving their last moments through gameplay. And so when we were kind of talking about before, uh, which was the idea of like experience and emotion through gameplay, um, that was sort of the first game that had made me really consider that notion. And, and it was one of the reasons that I definitely wanted to be a game designer uh, after playing that. Uh, I don't want to really give that much away of it, but it's just like a, an incredible experience and it has uh, not a whole lot to do with violence, which is something that also that I'm really interested in is, is there a way that we can make a high budget AAA video game that's interesting to the masses that doesn't have any violence in it at all? Um, it looks yeah, really good. It's great. <laughs> I would say that playing How many for people PC... Work I think it's like PC. 15 people. Well, you could play for PC or PS4. I say that you would play it, it, it plays better on PC because it deals better with the mouse and keyboard than it does with a uh, controller. Um, just like the tactility of the, um, the, uh, of the feeling of a mouse and keyboard just like works better um, than, than, you know, the, the sort of moving around with your thumbs on, on a you. DualShock. But uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, wow. 15 people made this game. It looks, like, <laughs> insane. Look, the graphics are so good. Yeah. It's a beautiful game. Okay. Um, definitely. And then another one that uh, nobody's heard much about? Um, hmm. No, we could do the Halo. Why is uh, it? Why Halo, Halo 3? 3 ODST? <laughs> yeah. I love Halo 3 ODST. To be honest, I've never played all the Halo games, so that's why... Um, oh ODST was, and I always got, <laughs> people used to dunk on me at Naughty Dog because I always would say that this was the best Halo and everyone would be like, what? Like, what is wrong <laughs> with you? Um, <laughs> but I think ODST is the best Halo because of, it was the first time that I really sort of felt grounded in the Halo universe. I mean, when you're playing as Master Chief, you're just this brolic 10 foot tall super soldier that just rolls over everything. And the idea that, like, there's this alien menace that's, like, kind of, like, ravaging human sort of settlements and the planets, it feels sort of, um, it feels uh, a little flighty of a concept. I mean, I guess in, there was in Reach, where you had your Spartan squad that was slowly being killed off, but that was all happening through cutscenes. So that doesn't feel really as grounded as in, but when you play Halo 3 ODST, there's like the systems and you're like kind of walking around in a like post-war torn city in and like you're just alone you're trying to find your squad and um you know the idea of i had rolled through these grunts like no problem in the first three games and now i'm playing halo 3 odst and like a group of three grunts is like intimidating like that sort of like shift yeah, yeah, really right. kind of gives you this sort of an emotional experience of like how scary the covenant actually are as an entity. Um, and then, yeah, there's sort of like a degree of horror. Also, I guess the structure of it was really interesting because yeah, I don't know if you've, when the last time you played it is, but 
you start as the rookie and the rookie is just a sort of silent protagonist but he's going through it's at the end of the action you're playing as him at the end of the action after the sort of siege of new mombasa has happened and then you're going to all of these different like sort of markers in this like open world map where you put like a chip in your head and you get to relive the memories of your squad that had happened like seven or eight hours earlier in a sort of way to try to find out where they are and meet up with them. And so there's like this sort of like weird structure of like a sort of like there's all these little narrative puzzle pieces and you're kind of going through all these different parts of the war-torn city and then going back and playing the mission of the squad member as it happened six hours before. And I just think like the idea of that structure of storytelling was really interesting in a video game. And also just kind of like going, like I said, like the open world aspects of it, as well as just like that sort of fear and the real tacticalness that you have where you have to kind of just like silently wander with your like silenced SMG and like yeah. pick off these like little groups of grunts and have to take them out before they like, you know, tell the brute. And because if you like, if you take a brute on with like other grunts and jackals up, you're like definitely going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that I love Halo 3 ODST for those reasons. Um, hey, now you make me want to play those games. Oh, great. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was about to I was about to log on to my Xbox and buy the X, uh, the Master Chief collection just yeah. because of <laughs> what you've been saying. I've, uh, I've I've never played any of the Halo games, so like, oh, that sounds God. really great. Yeah, Halo <laughs> so game development doesn't work out, can always work in sales. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Get, put me on the E3 stage. That's there evangelism. Yeah, that's what that's that's that's, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I could talk about any of these games in, in, <laughs> with that degree of excitement. I love these games. Now, what about your least favorite game? I don't think I have a least favorite game. I think every game is there's something good about it. Something like, good about it. Yeah. Like I, you know, favorite. I mean, I love games that people think are bad. Like I love Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Like I love that. Duke Nukem Forever was amazing, though. I, I mean, think... seriously. <laughs> no, the yeah. The problem think... with that game was the hype. Like it was hyped for like Whatever. twenty years almost. Cares, <laughs> dude. It's, it, that makes it's it even better. My... <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. that was kind of the whole entire point of Duke Nukem <laughs> is that yeah. he was all hype in the first place. <laughs> like Duke Nukem Forever is an incredible game. I think, yeah, like even games that people think are bad, there's at least one idea in them that can be incredible. And I think, like, honestly, if you're racked for ideas, and especially because a lot of AAA games can feel very similar, just go through your crate and, like, open up a game that looks stupid. I remember I found a (laughs) game uh, that I bought as a joke called Panty Party, where you play as a pair of (laughs) panties, like, flying around in the air and, like, doing all these games. And I got it as a joke for my Switch, because I was in downtown Manhattan, and my buddy was buying Fight Sticks, because we wanted to play, start playing Tekken together, which is also one of my favorite games. I love Tekken. Um, but then I, yeah, I bought this game Panty Party and I was like, actually, you know, some of this, some of these systems are kind of cool. Like they're, they're kind of fun and and interesting. So, you know, you'll never, you can find, you can find a good game. There's, there's a good game. There's good gameplay in every game. I believe that. Yeah. Nine out of 10 on Steam. Must be be great. Uh, (laughs) Underrated gem. (laughs) Underrated gem for sure. Oh my gosh. 
Now, what would you say when people are having tough times? What, what keeps you going? Um, I think <laughs> drugs. <laughs> uh, cut, cut. <laughs> cut the video, cut the video. Uh, I think uh, just the, the, the fascination with... Um, I, I just want to take experiences and, and bring them to gameplay. You know what I mean? Like, I think the idea is, is that by watching movies or playing games, you like, well, really by playing games specifically, you can kind of relive the experience or live an experience that's not your own, right? Like, you can kind of empathize with someone's unique perspective in the world by kind of interacting through their eyes in a video game. And I think I'm really fascinated with kind of bringing that idea. Like, I think if we had games that opened up, um, that, that allowed people to play different experiences than their own, they could become empathetic towards that. And I think if we had a more empathetic world in general, I think that would be a better place. And I, I know that sounds really grand and ridiculous, but that's, I, I also do kind no. of believe that to an extent. I think... Um, like, imagine if you had to play a game where you had to play some kind of minority in, in a society. Yeah. And you were constantly, you know, discriminated against, and you had to go through extra things that other people didn't have to go through. I mean, imagine what kind of a story that would tell to somebody playing that game. And I, Yeah, and then there's some of those games that are that are out there that, that do do that. I mean, anything by, like, mm -hmm. Anna Anthropy, who, uh, you know, talks a lot about her experiences, like, you know, um, like going, uh, like there's a game Dysphoria, which is great, which, you know, talks about her experiences, like uh, going on like hormones and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, dealing with like being transgender and stuff like that. And and I think there there's types of games like that that are, are existing and that are helping people learn more about other experiences than their own. I think that's really what does keep me going. The idea of just like, you know, wanting to bring a good experiences to the world. And that's, that's what keeps me going. I think more than anything else. You know, it's a great example. That is a uh, Senua Hellblade. Where he yeah, plays the character with the schizophrenia. That's crazy. If you put your headphones on, you just hear voices the whole time being positive, negative. Yeah. Oh, that game was an amazing experience. That game is really uh, dissociating. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's also. a total trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could you imagine though doing that number? That'd be a, be a wild ride. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I do. Yeah, so that's that's what keeps me going. That and uh, the fact that I would just rather not be. I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. I think. Mm -hmm. You know, games are, I love games. I, I, if I'm not, also, and, and on a little lighter bit note, you know, it has given me license to play video games whenever I want because I can sort of say that I'm researching. <laughs> researching. I'm researching. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's not a lie guys. either. It isn't. I mean, it is. You're learning something from, you know, the way that somebody else, you know, built a game. Yeah. I mean, anywhere that you interview, they're going to ask you about the game. I guess that's another thing going back to it. Anywhere you interview, they're going to ask you about their game and what you thought about it and what you think you can add to it. And uh, to prepare for the interviews that I've had these last couple of weeks, uh, I've 
been playing a crap ton of games and just, you know, like sitting there with a pen and pat, uh, note paper and writing down things I like and don't like and things that um, could be expanded on. And uh, yeah, I think it gives you license to play video games and think about games the all dream. the time. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I worked as a, in this IT company and one of our clients was this um, adult website. And sometimes we had to like open the website to do stuff and that was a weird <laughs> license to have as well. For sure. <laughs> I'm no, no. I'm troubleshooting a website issue. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, the guys yes, in no, those websites, they, they all tab, they all tab of, out of Excel and go back to to the the website. <laughs> no, no. I was working. I swear. <laughs> don't, don't don't worry that the door is locked. I promise. I'm just doing this. I'm IT solutions. Yeah. No, no. I wasn't in Excel. I promise you. I was testing the website. I was just testing the website. <laughs> Yeah, no big deal. Oh now, um, what would you say to inspire aspiring uh, game developers? Um, aspiring game developers. Hmm. Let me think about this one. Yeah, that would be the, uh, the, <laughs> the way to end it off. I think. Uh, I think I would recommend going outside and living your life and trying to think about what experience that you can have that's not in the realm of any video game that you can think of, how you can make a game out of it. Um, one time I went to a party and I was like, this is a video game. And I didn't really know, understand why I said, thought that, but I was looking around at other people and the conversations and the things that people were doing. And it all felt like a bunch of individual mini games, like <laughs> one person like on TikTok, another person like in the other corner of the room, like taking shots as this other person was like posing, like one person drinking. I saw on, on the other corner of the room, someone like scratching a quarter and like, like doing like, um, you know, what are those called that you get at gas stations? The, the gambling thing, the lottery, they were scratching Scratch tickets. lottery tickets. They were scratching lottery tickets. And I was like, this is a video game. I had had no idea why I I knew that, but I I knew that. And and I've been thinking about that as a game concept for a while. Um, So I I guess. Have you ever heard the phrase, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Yeah. Well, no, but I think I understand what what that means. So, yeah. So. When you're a game designer, you see games everywhere in the world. It's interesting that you told that story because I work on ERP systems, and whenever I go to restaurants, all I see is the technology that's driving their supply chain systems. For sure. Because yeah, that's yeah. you know that's what I do. So to me, <laughs> everything looks like an ERP system, right? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah. I thought I was crazy. I was like, everything is a game to me. Yeah, no, everything <laughs> like, is a game, a game. Definitely. That could be a game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's can... game theory in all of those things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, you just that I think will make you uh, a better game designer than if you were thinking like, uh, like I would recommend going that way when you're trying to approach stuff as opposed to just like I'm going to take this genre and this genre and I'm going to combine it. You <laughs> know what I mean? Which is like, which can be really cool. And there's sometimes there are like great ideas that have come out of that, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, the game Super Hot came out of like the idea of like bullet time in movies and just like wanting to make that into like a whole game and like how do we recreate that experience? Like, go look at other things, whether it's you know movies or or 
art or like going out and hanging out with your friends and, and trying to just think about like, is there a game here? And, and, and how, what would that look like? And just sort of even think about that as a designer, um, as a programmer, just pick things that are exist in other games and literally try to copy them and write and make them. Um, I literally like, the, and I'm, I do that every day. I made a radar system that was like, you know, the sort of like call of duty UAV. And I, I made that the other day just to, you know, learn about how a sort of minimap system would work. And, and that was that, that like is in its own thing makes you feel like, you know, you can pick up problems. One thing I don't like about the world that we live in is that there is, uh, there's not that many game programming problems that you can look up online and have the answer to. There's a huge amount of software engineering problems, but there's not going to, I haven't really found that many prompts that would be like, you know, uh, here's X make Y it's, it's not, doesn't really exist like that for game programming. So a lot of the time you have to, um, go out and, uh, find try to make those problems up for yourself and and for me that is that is sort of shown itself by me literally looking at game mechanics and other games and saying how do i do that and once you know how to do something you can kind of subvert it in any way you want like you know we have you have the sort of in the case of the radar where all characters are on a map and a ring around the player based on like your position in the world you could be like well how do i make it so that these characters only show up on the radar under these criteria and you can sort of subvert and expand on those systems however you want. And then at some point you have a video game, like that's, you know, yeah. wake See, up we, and you're like, wow, we got someone who actually did that then. Cause, uh, I was talking, I think two weeks ago, uh, cause Andrew Gower used to do that when he was learning game development, like he would just clone games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He made like his own pitfall and his own Mario and stuff. Yeah, in the nineties, right? Um, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never really gone as far as uh, fleshing out a whole clone of a game, but I, I've definitely like I definitely remade the the wall running mechanic from Titanfall once. Like I've I've gone through and and just made these one thing so I can just kind of go like, oh, that's cool. That's how it works, and then like throw it away. And that's how I guess I flex my game programming chops. Um, but yeah. As a designer, go and go out into the world, live your life, and try to see of it in terms of gameplay. Yeah. Also, like the actual situation doesn't have to be a game. Like you don't need to make a game in a party to have a game related to the experience you had in the yeah. party. Yeah. No. Yeah. It can subvert itself in, in in different ways. I yeah. I think exactly. Yeah. More or less. I mean, there's a, it is it can be through anything. Just every, look outside of games and think yeah. about the, how you could design a game out of it in a like more broad sense. Some people get afraid of that. It's like live my life. Like I just want to be inside and make games. But it's like no, go put <laughs> yourself out there. And... Nowadays, yeah. there's a ton of stuff happening that could become games. I love studying geological principles, and I want to build a video game that simulates geographical locations using. The hydro, the hydro erosion cycle, whatever you call that. Well, right? that sounds crazy. <laughs> right, but I mean that's the kind of you know this exactly yeah, you know. Sick. I'd love that. I'm interested in geology in that way, 
and that would be a neat game, right? There's like, <laughs> but the, yeah, there's I mean, I'm sure there's some way you could make a game out of that, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, like simulating the erosion cycle on a planet by, you know, influencing the, you know, the air pressure and the balance of different kinds of chemicals. You could make like an environmental simulation, right? No doubt. I mean, there's the, I forgot the name of the game, but there's that one that you're like, you start as a, an asteroid, and then you go growing and become a sun, like, is, is that one? everything? Is oh, I've heard about one? that. Yeah. What? Is that everything? It's super fun. It's weirdly fun. Like absorb other astrological stuff and grow up. Like you become a planet, and then you can like get a moon. Start as a cloud, and then yeah. Yeah. I think it is everything. I think. Um, I mean, yeah. Going back to. Uh, the point that was made before, uh, you don't really have to necessarily one-to-one create this idea either, right? Like, Outer Wilds is a game that's a pretty faithful feeling of what space travel is like, although it's not very realistic at all. Like, you play as, like, an alien, and you, like, shoot a radar gun and can fly out of it, different planets with ease but like the idea the feeling that you get out of it that sort of loneliness in space is is something that i have to imagine is definitely the case when you're an astronaut yeah, i love that i couldn't imagine i need to check it out i love outer worlds have you played that one? Oh yeah i love obsidian uh Great stuff one. yeah um fall of new vegas oh yeah fall of new vegas is definitely like one of my top three favorite games mm-hmm. i love that game i probably put like a thousand hours into fall of new vegas <laughs> why'd you love it so much the dialogue the story dialogue yeah the way that these sort of uh the way the systems interact with the ncr yeah. run across the ncr fighting kaiser's legion also like Kaiser is talking about Hegel, like he's talking about like dialectics and like huge philosophy concepts in a video game. I was like, what? Like I, I was just so surprised to see like philosophy being sort of your <laughs> game. Like I was, that was bizarre to me, and I was intrigued. Um, and anybody yeah, who you know. loves system-based game design is going to love. Bethesda's games and yeah, yeah Obsidian, uh, you know, as well for for that one. Um, but yeah, like Skyrim and Fallout Four, and and to a lesser extent, although supposedly I guess the the new expansion for Fallout seventy six supposed to hit with like actual content for once. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, system driven content. I mean, that's a lot of what that is. I think that that you know that faction interaction was was really fascinating. The the way that you know, you could you could choose how the story basically played out by you know siding with one side over another. And the writing was tops. I mean, like those the, your companions really did feel like people as much as as mm-hmm. a game could in 2010. You know, I mean, I definitely I like had a, I felt the serious like vibe and connection with um, Arcade Ganon and Veronica and um, you know the companions that you made in I. Especially, like, I also loved their sort of, like, um, the RPG elements of their stats, too. Those were great. They had, Those were, like, you know, the idea that, like, if you have a low enough intelligence, you can, like, fool a robot into, like, letting you pass something. Like, that is, like, a pretty great idea. 
And I remember, and like just, yeah, going back to like the system gameplay, like you can just drink a bunch of alcohol and, and completely wreck your intelligence score and then go up and drunk to the robot. You can get through this sort of like speech check. I was like, that's, that's amazing. It just, it, it like really um, tickles your fantasy about like what a game can be. And, and that is probably the most complete idea that at least in recent memory of like a really interconnected world, um, which was so exciting when I first played it and still is exciting to this day. Uh, that reminds me of Kingdom Come Deliverance. Have you played it? Oh, yeah. I heard this about it's this game. so cool. Like, I, I got tired of it because I don't like single-player games, but overall it's an amazing game. Like, And it feels so realistic. Like, it's a medieval game that you're not the chosen one or the dragonborn or whatever. Yeah. Like, you, have, you have to do a quest line to learn to read. Oh, really? really? That's great. Yeah. Um... No, but that's that's cool stuff. Like I totally when gonna... it makes you feel like you're actually like like experiencing stuff and just like the game just putting it out there like you have to do these things. It's like I can interact with it. And that's when like my favorite games come along. It's like, oh I could change this whole thing or I could do whatever I want, or like even with other worlds. You can kill everybody in the game and the game still runs. You can still play beat the game. Which is really cool to me. And Kingdom Come you could, I guess, almost everyone, but you're super weak at the start. Mm. Like the the whole point's like you're like the the blacksmith's son, and they like kill everyone in your city, and like you're one of the few survivors, and you have to run away. And you have nothing. You never knew how to fight. You never held a sword and stuff. Yeah, no doubt. It's kind of weird that we play those games like the Dragonborn. It's like you're expected to be this like all powerful person. Like right away, it's like no. And yeah, it's then, such uh, a, a normal trope. Like, oh, you're the chosen one. You're yeah. basically god. But then it's just like, weird because like you aren't at first. Yeah, so it's like you're supposed to be as powerful person, but then you're not because you have to be level one. But then you, I don't know. It's kind overdoes it so yeah. much. Like you can get so OP in that game. No, for sure. Oh, I'm. Crouching in front of you, you cannot see me. <laughs> now to uh, end it off, we usually like to do like a challenge for the game that that TV students. So uh, you to give them a challenge, like either game development or programming wise, whatever you. I think I I feel like I already kind of covered that with my uh, with the last thing. Just you know, go outside, practice your game programming stuff every day. Try to clone game mechanics, and you know, try to look outside of games in terms of design and, and try to bring that sort of um, uh, those sort of uh, moments of inspiration back to the game engine. Um, someone who I worked with at Naughty Dog, who is a concept artist, uh, Alex Neonakis, said on her Twitter that like sort of creativity is like wringing out a sponge. And when you're when the sponge is dry, you know, you need to start to soak up that inspiration. And when you finally are inspired, that's when you're sort of wringing out the sponge and, and getting all of your ideas out. And so if you're finding yourself sort of uninspired or, or confused or whatever, go out and, and, and put your, you know, get, step away from the keyboard and go outside and um, try to like live your life a little bit and see what else 
and absorb different facets of information that could, you know, inform how to make better games. And then, yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure having you on, Jack. It was an yeah, nice amazing conversation. Um, wish you the best. And then also, thank you for making Last of Us 2. We, I can't wait to play that game when it comes out. Yeah. And then usually we uh, hand it off the mic to you if you want to do any like shout-outs, inspirational, anything you want to do to end it off. And then uh, thanks um, for coming. I guess I'll plug my socials. You can follow me on Twitter at DualShockGenius, uh, which is DualShock, the controller, and then Genius, all one word. Uh, and uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm, I'll, my DMs are open. Um, and yeah, keep making games. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.